Welcome to episode 23 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversations with Psychomer trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all the podcast players or by going to psychomer.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us on Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by the generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. This episode is brought to you by PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military cultural content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. And you can find more about PsychArmor at psycharmor.org. This week, I'm having a conversation with two representatives from the Farmer Veteran Coalition the nation's largest nonprofit organization assisting service members and veterans to embark on careers in agriculture. My guests today are Isa Marie McIntyre, Veteran Services Provider, and Doris Mould, State Chapter Coordinator. Isa Marie is a two-tour combat veteran of Iraq and caregiver to her veteran husband who stepped on an improvised explosive device in Afghanistan. Isa Marie was so overwhelmed by the support and generosity her family received from nonprofit organizations that she was honored to join the staff of Farmer Veteran Coalition. Doris Mould is the president of Sunrise Agricultural Associates LLC, an agricultural consulting firm. Doris is an agricultural consultant, agricultural economist, educator, advocate, and catalyst, as well as a farm co owner operator. Doris is passionate about agricultural leadership development and especially the mentoring of up-and-coming agricultural leaders. You can find out more about Isa Marie and Doris by taking a look at their bios in our show notes. Let's get into my conversation with them and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. Many veterans are looking for something meaningful and satisfying after their time in the military. And having family in the farming community in Missouri, as I do myself, I know how meaningful it can be to continue to serve their country in a different way, one through agriculture specifically. Isa Marie, as a veteran and the spouse of a veteran, and then Doris, as someone who's been in agriculture for many years, why do you think farming is a meaningful career after the military? Yeah, I just think that veterans really do possess that capability to work through the difficult times that come with agriculture. Whenever we say that farming is therapeutic, because that's something we tend to say, that farming is, has a psychological benefits, that doesn't mean it's not easy. In fact, it's very difficult. And so veterans are used to going through difficult situations. Veterans are used to pushing through the really hard times. And quite frankly, we're used to just figuring it out. And a lot of times you just have to roll the punches, both as a veteran and the military and in farming. You just have to figure things out sometimes. So I think veterans possess those unique skills to to do that. And I know, especially in my household, my husband went into beekeeping and, and he had no clue what he was doing. He just jumped right into it. And I think having that confidence and knowing that you may not necessarily know exactly what you're doing, but you are going to find a way to get through it and figure it out. And so Doris, somebody who has complicated problem-solving skills with very few resources and an undefined mission. That sounds like agriculture. It certainly does. You know, I've spent my whole life in agriculture and that's what we are. We work in oftentimes in isolation or in small teams. We're really into problem solving and there's always limited resources. Always in farming, there are limited resources. You're, you never have everything that you need, but you figure out how to get it done and you get it done. And agriculture farming is 
has always traditionally been wherever you've been, you know, a culture of toughing it out, especially when you look at the U.S. farming, ranching experience, when you think that for many people, they came as immigrants and they they came and I guess for lack of a better word, tamed ground that had never been under cultivation. And so, so we see that really in, in generations of agriculturalists. And also, I think, too, agriculturalists with farming, people look at it as a calling. It's a calling to serve. It's a calling to farm. It's a calling to feed others and help take care of others. Because really, when it comes down to it, agriculture is life. You have to have agriculture to have that that food. And that's a critical part for anybody's life. And so I think that protecting people of people from in the military, protecting a way of life, and then coming back and serving in a way of life. It's just that combination that really makes sense to a lot of veterans. Marie, this is something that in the military, veterans or, or service members were part of something larger than themselves. Yes, they accomplished the individual mission, but they knew that what they were doing was to the benefit of the greater good, hopefully. And really, that's the way it is in farming and agriculture is, yeah, you bring their crops in, or yeah, you're able to harvest a load of honey, but it's also understanding that it's part of a larger service, as Doris was just talking about. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, in our house, the reason why our family turned to agriculture was simply my husband really needed a new purpose. I needed a new purpose myself, too. We're both veterans, and we both lost that sense of community when we initially transitioned out of the military. And agriculture was a large part of finding that purpose again and rebuilding our community. And it's funny because we don't necessarily live close to a big military base, but a lot of our community, it's, they're primarily agriculture, but many of them are also veterans. And that was actually by accident that we stumbled upon that. But, you know, it's been a great community, and, and absolutely, it's finding, finding a new purpose has been critical to my family. I think that's true for many veterans. Obviously, I know it was true for me. But along with that concept of meaningful service after the military, another key thing that veterans are looking for, and you just talked about it, is connection to other veterans with similar interests and goals. The Farmer Veteran Coalition supports veterans in agriculture through their chapter program, which is what you manage for the organization, Doris. Yes, they do. And so right now we have about 15 active chapters. But uh, as we were talking before we started recording, Dwayne, I described it as the fire hose is open full blast. We have over 25 states that have indicated an interest, territories that have indicated an interest in forming a chapter and are at some stage of formation. So some of them are just thinking about it at this point. Others are well on their way. They're forming their committees. We have two chapters that are going to be under review this week, actually, with our board of directors. And we hope that will be our two newest chapters coming up soon. And so we have tremendous interest across the country, everything from Alaska to Maine and Connecticut. We have interest in Puerto Rico and Hawaii. I'm actually looking forward to Hawaii mission in the winter time because I live in close to Siberia in, in the United States, closest to Siberia as you can get in the United States. So we're really looking forward to a tremendous number of chapters forming and, and they all come into it with the same interest. They want to serve in agriculture, but they want to be of service to other veterans and connect with other veterans and have that network 
and help. And the thing about the chapter program is, is that they can serve the veterans in their state or local area or their territory and help meet the needs of the veterans in that area. Because, you know, agriculture varies across across our great country and varies uh, depending on where people are. And uh, so you have some expertise and maybe can match up mentors more easily and help people along and help them access more local resources as well. And so those are some of the benefits of, of coming together. And the community is a second to none as well, because people are getting back together with other veterans and they're connecting then too with other agriculturalists and farmers. And that really has been very successful across the country. And Isa Marie, again, you referred to this, your husband needing purpose, you needing purpose. But as Doris mentioned earlier, farming is a sense of isolation. You could probably go days, if not weeks, without connecting with other people. And sometimes you have to be very deliberate and veterans. So we have this dual threat of veterans isolating versus the isolating nature of agriculture, this chapter program connects veterans while they're serving others, they're getting help themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. The chapters at FAC has been a really great way for veterans to connect. And also, you know, we connect veterans really on a daily basis. We have veterans contact us and say, hey, I'm thinking about um, doing urban farming or I'm thinking about doing beekeeping out in Florida. Can you connect me with a veteran who's done that? And so not only are we connecting veterans through chapters, but we're connecting veterans through mentoring. We have an informal mentorship program and veterans can contact us and they can say, hey, I'm looking for this type of experience with agriculture culture, can you connect me with somebody who has that? And we absolutely do that. But also our conferences. I think the reason why our conferences tend to be a big hit is because you have these veterans that are out in the middle of nowhere, such as me and my family. We're out in the middle of nowhere. And we look forward to that conference where we get to go and meet other farmer veterans and talk about things that we may not necessarily get to talk about every single day. So absolutely, that connection is really important. And and I think another thing that's important, too, is that we're seeing cross-generational connections. So we might have veterans, say Vietnam-era veterans, that really want to give back, or veterans that might have served when there hadn't been a real active conflict. And But they have been farming for quite a while, and they say, hey, I can help out. I have some resources. I can help out. I have experience. I can help out a newer veteran who may or may not have agricultural experience. And we have people, a lot of people reaching out that way. I have a number of people that want to start chapters and say, hey, I've been involved in agriculture for a good part of my life. I'm a veteran. I can help other veterans that want to get a start. And that's really exciting, too, to see that desire to share as well and and have that connection across generations. Absolutely. And on that same note, Doris, we actually get a lot of veterans who have their own farm business and they want to hire other veterans. And so they contact us and they're like, hey, I really want to hire a veteran on my farm for this position and I want to help them. And so we, along the same lines, we get a lot of those requests too. We're happy to fulfill them. And another thing, Dwayne, I think that it's important for us to recognize that there are a lot of non-veterans out there in the agricultural and farming community that are part of our chapters programs that help as well, that want to have a desire to help because they First of all, they desire to help and they're part of that broader community, but they appreciate the service of others. And so they look at this as maybe an opportunity for them to serve those that served. This is what I'm hearing is Farmer Veteran Coalition can be a nexus of all of those, right? That cross-generational collaboration, that geographic collaboration, that cross-sector collaboration. And we have, like I said earlier, there's a lot of ranching in Colorado, but we're also famous for Rocky Ford melons, right? The ranchers and the melon farmers may not have a lot 
lot to to communicate, but ranchers in in the Midwest and ranchers in the West, ranchers are ranchers. And so I think it's really interesting that Farmer Veteran Coalition is providing these connections across a number of different population groups. And that's intentional because you have that uh, a little bit of hybridization makes the network stronger and makes everybody, it, it benefits everybody. And we have a number of partners nationally that we intentionally, so Farm Bureau and Farmers Union and Farm Credit have been traditionally big partners of Farmer Veteran Coalition. And they on the the more local or state level or territory level, depending on where you're at, some of those people that belong to those organizations have become part of maybe our board of directors locally or an advisory group. And they're there willing to help and lend a hand from that level. So we really have some good connections into those agricultural communities and into the lending communities for agriculture as well through their involvement. And I think that's something that, and in, in as we're talking about advocacy, right, advocating for the greater representation of military and veterans in the farming community, but Farmer Veteran Coalition is more than just an advocacy group that promotes that idea, nor is it just a connection, a social group. You have a number of programs and resources to help veterans when farmers succeed. Doris, you just talked about loan programs or something like that. But Isa Marie, what are some of the programs that Farmer Veteran Coalition provides? Absolutely. So besides, like you said, besides the connecting of veterans, we also have our two staple programs. The first one is the Fellowship Fund Program, and that is a small grant program that's by far our most, probably our most used program. And we, what that is, we give grants, we award grants to farmer veterans up to $5,000 for a piece of equipment or something that will help grow their farm business. It's, like I said, by far the most popular part of our program. We've given out about $3.5 million in small grants to beginning farmer veterans. And so we're always really excited. We actually just closed our fellowship fund and awarded our fellowship fund grants for this year at the end of April. So we like to say here at FAC, that's like Christmas time around that time where you get to give out small grants to farmer veterans that really need it. Our second big program is our Homegrown by Heroes program. And what that is, is it's the official farmer veteran label of America. And so it's an actual little label that if a veteran grows 50% of that product, you can uh, apply for this label. It's free. We don't charge for any of our programs or anything. And you can put this label on your product and it just lets the community know that that product is grown by a, a farmer veteran. And you'd be surprised that Doris mentioned it earlier. We have a lot of people within our network that aren't veterans, but they're in agriculture and they want to support veterans. And so applying this label to your product is a really great way to let the community know, hey, this product is grown by a veteran and they want to support that and they'll purchase that product. That's something a little bit more beyond thank you for your service. If you really want to thank a veteran farmer, buy the stuff they're making and growing, right, right Doris? Absolutely. Right, exactly. exactly. And and actually, we're starting to, uh, we've just recently uh, started to get some interest from distributors that are starting to get demand from wholesalers saying, hey, we want products grown by veterans. Can you connect us with veterans? And that's really exciting to see that program expanding further to actually people that have the means for really getting the word out about veteran products showing an interest and in, and we're excited to see that growth. I think this is something that that has has really emerged in a number of different sectors, but as veterans go, so go the nation. I mean especially as veteran farmers become more successful, more stable, that can help the agricultural community as a whole 
which can help the economy as a whole. Certainly. And as veterans go and as agriculture goes, so goes the nation, really. Because and, and when you look at it, we need a strong agriculture. The number one really looking at the number one homegrown thing that we can look at for national security is having a safe and secure food supply. And our veterans can be a key player in providing that safe and nutritious and inexpensive food supply. And so there's a huge role to be played here. And as especially as we see generational shift out of agriculture, as we see farmers aging, having new farmers coming in, people interested in carrying on that tradition of food production, it's really critical. It's really critical for our nation to have that. And it's got to be diverse. Right? Isa Marie, you've talked about how you and your family are beekeepers. Agriculture isn't all meat and wheat, right? You have to have a, a wide range and beekeeping is not any easier. It's not just grow a hive. But just why do you think it's important to have that diversity to support that stable food supply that Doris was talking about? Yeah, well, you know, like Doris had mentioned earlier, not only are we diverse in the agriculture that we support, but we're diverse in the eras of veterans that we support. We support all eras of veterans. A lot of nonprofits are post 9 11. They support post 9 11 veterans, but we support all eras of veterans. And it is, I had somebody ask me this week Farmer Veteran Coalition supports what type of farming? And the answer really to that was everything. We support urban farming, we support hydroponics, we support beekeeping. If there's anything, related to getting a a product, a a food product, like we support that. We're there to support that. And it's critical for the basic human need. We all need to eat. So it's really critical to support those different types of agriculture. And the wonderful thing about it, first of all, we have a huge number of food producers out there. But the other thing is that they're providing food, fiber, in some cases, fuel, because we have people that are wool producers, maybe Angora producers. We also have people that produce things of beauty, such as flowers. We have some really terrific flower farmers out there. And you might not look at that as being essential. I, as a flower lover, think that's essential to my life, at least. I like flowers. And we have a flower grower. We have a peony grower in Alaska that's a veteran. And they ship out pretty much all of their peonies as fresh flowers, although they are getting into starting to make uh, some peony jelly as well. So they are actually taking flowers and making it into a food product as well. But we're just seeing this incredibly exciting range of agriculture. And I think one thing that that COVID has taught us that it's important to have a range of agriculture and food supply all across the country, that we can't rely just on having large packing plants in in the case of meat and be able to rely on that as the sole source of our food production across the country because we need pockets so we can serve. So in in case uh, we have another pandemic or another lockdown or people getting ill that we don't have all of our food centered in just large operations that might be impacted and then we really reduce our food supply. So having pockets of food production across the country, uh, I think is really valuable. And, and critical in, in many cases to continue to have the the opportunity to have a diverse shopping cart, if you will, as well, not just uh, certain things, but be able to have a, a spread of different types of food products available to you. No, I think that's absolutely critical. And I really appreciate the work that Farmer Veteran Coalition is doing. Isa Marie, if people wanted to find out more about what FVC is doing, or maybe reach out to, to contact you or even Doris, how could they do that? 
Sure. Well, you know, you can go to our website. That might be the best place to start, farmvetco.org. So F-A-R-M-V-E-T-C-O.org. You can also email our support line, which is support at farmvetco.org. And the other thing, too, is that we're also on social media. So you can connect with us through Facebook, the standard kind of social media. We're up on LinkedIn as well. So you can connect with us in in those manners, too. And uh, so there's a a lot of different potentials. And yes, I do have a phone number is 530-554- 1190 is our phone number. That's great. Thank you both for coming on the show today. You're welcome. Our pleasure. Thank you very much. Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. One of the reflections I'd like to make is how one of the things that the military does really, really well is to prepare service members to endure hardship. I was re-watching the Band of Brothers miniseries the other day, and one of the veterans said something like, on really cold nights, I turn to my wife and say, at least we're not in Bastogne. The ability to endure physical, emotional, and psychological hardship, while often unpleasant, is also a benefit to many service members after their military career. In this case, when we apply it to a post-military career like farming, it can be a trait that is essential to success. In his book, Man's Search for Meaning, which is an example of enduring extreme hardship itself, Viktor Frankl quotes philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche when he says, those who have a why to live can bear with almost any how. That's what made endurance possible in the military. Whether we embrace the suck, as we say, to accomplish the mission, to not let down our battle buddies, or even out of fear of punishment. We had a compelling reason to put up with a lot of the challenges we faced. The same is true in farming. The pride that one gets from growing their crops or raising their livestock, the knowledge that they're performing an essential service for the nation, again, the why can help them put up with just about any how. The other point that I'd like to bring up is that many veterans feel a need to support others, even if they could benefit from support themselves. The concept of my shield covers my brother and sister is a familiar one to many service members and veterans, even if the knowledge that my brother and sister's shield covers me is not as readily acknowledged. The Farmer Veteran Coalition has built upon that desire for veterans to support other veterans. When service members were in the military, there were a lot of resources available to them. When I was leading security escort patrols in Afghanistan, we had lots of protection. We could call up artillery and support units from the local battle space owner. We had helicopter gunships above us, drones above them, F-16s above that, and AC-130s above that. We were surrounded by support from miles around us to miles above us. The infantry squad kicking down doors in Iraq knew that someone, somewhere, would answer a call if they really got into a jam. When a service member leaves the military, that support seems to melt away. You aren't handed a card full of call signs and frequencies to reach out if you get into a jam, and you don't get briefings on who's going to be there to back you up if you need it. But the support network isn't gone, it's just invisible. It's still there, sometimes in the form of organizations like FVC, but just as often in the form of other service members who are just a little bit farther down the road on the post-military journey. I once heard a Marine say that every Marine had a foothold on the beachhead of another Marine's soul. There's a shared bond of service that exists, some of it built on the knowledge of that shared hardship I was just talking about, which means that there is some unity with others who have served. That unity doesn't end when the service member leaves the military. It's an intrinsic characteristic of military culture. 
It's great that the desire to support others is still there, and it's great that Farmer Veteran Coalition gives veterans and agriculture an opportunity to do so. If you want to understand more about the unique culture of service members and veterans, check out the Psych Armor Resource of the Week, the courses on military culture. Sponsored by the Wounded Warrior Project, these courses are available for anyone who works with, lives with, and cares about the veteran community. At PsychArmor, they believe that educating individuals about the unique needs of military-connected people in our country can change perceptions, create powerful connections, strengthen communities, and help our nation's heroes access resources that allow them to thrive. This course series includes their cornerstone course, 15 Things Veterans Want You to Know, as well as modules that address the basics such as Veteran 101, Officers versus Enlisted, and Veteran 201, Military Families. These are informative courses on military culture that address relevant issues facing our veterans and their families today. You can find a link to them in our show notes. So thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find at psycharmor.org forward slash BTM23, as well as on the PsychArmor website. You will find the link to everything we talked about in today's show, as well as hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. Thank you for joining me on this episode and for continuing to join us on this journey. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation and make sure to engage with PsychArmor on social media to let us know what you think about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by PsychArmor. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we would like for you to do that, but make sure you let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode, and until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.